Welcome to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, the podcast for high achievers who want to stay sharp, focused, and full of energy despite their diagnosis. With your host, National Board Certified Functional Medicine Health Coach, Julie Michelson, where Julie helps you take your power back from autoimmunity. And now here's your host, Julie Michelson. Welcome back to the Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast. I'm your host, Julie Michelson. And today, I'm excited to be speaking with Dr. Amy Apigian, the leading medical expert on addressing stored trauma in the body through her signature model and methodology, the biology of trauma. That's right. Today, we're going to be talking about the biology of trauma and not the psychology of trauma. Dr. Amy's work up-levels the old methods of trauma work to address trauma's effects on the nervous system and the body on a cellular level. I promise, if you think you know all there is to know about trauma or that it isn't playing a role in your life, our conversation today will be enlightening. Don't miss it. Dr. Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Julie. I'm so excited for this. I'm so excited for what you are doing specifically with your clients. And so really happy to be here to talk about trauma today. Thank you. This is such a huge subject topic. I already told you before we started, like, I don't know if one episode is going to do it. Um, But I also think it, it, it kind of gets a little exhausted. Like people get tired of hearing certain words. And so I love, you are bringing such a fresh approach and effective because mm. I know what you're doing is making such a huge impact for people. I'm guessing when you were younger, you didn't decide you wanted to specialize in healing people by, by healing trauma. So it, would you be willing to share your story with us as to how did you go from that traditional medicine world to what you are doing now? Yeah. Oh my goodness, Julie, taking me back to to those times. Those are um, good and interesting memories for me. So, you know, and even as you say that, I'm just blown away by the impact that the message of the biology of trauma has had and emails that I get from around the world, right? And and through my training program, practitioners are reaching, you know, like 250,000 people this year with the message of biology of trauma. And it blows me away because there was a time in my life when for the one person, one person that mattered most to me, Mm -hmm. I could not move the dial at all for him with trauma. Yeah. And so just what a contrast between like, wow, all these people around the world. And yet there was that time when there was, I could not make a difference for one person with regards to their trauma. And that was my son. So my son came to me as a four-year-old foster care boy, and over the next six months, I decided to adopt him. And part of the reason was that the social workers told me that he was so far uh, along in his behavior problems, emotional behavior problems, that if I did not adopt him, then he would go into a, a group home at age four, <laughs> and and that really all he needed was love, right? Like he just needs someone to love him. And I'm like, I'll love him. 
right? Like I can do that. (laughs) I can do that. Like I already am crazy about this kid and I can see his potential through his anger, through his rages, through his behaviors. I can see through all of that. And I can see what incredible kid, like I can love, I can love the trauma out of him. And it was two years later that I'm sitting there and I'm actually rocking him, right? Because I'm doing attachment parenting and all that stuff now. And I'm rocking him. And what he said was not a surprise to me, but it was a moment in which the our journey together really hit home for me. And why I say like, I was not able to make a difference for the one person that mattered the most in my life. And he had already been trying to kill me, right? He'd already gotten the knives out and had already tried to kill me with a knife and all all of that kind of stuff. But as I'm rocking him and I'm having what I'm thinking is a very ordinary moment of connection that we're perhaps supposed to be having with our attachment parenting and working with our therapists and all the people that we had working with us. And he calmly tells me as I'm looking down into his eyes, he calmly tells me, it's like, mommy, tomorrow I'm going to kill you. Not today, tomorrow, mommy. And I'm going to poke your eyes out with sticks. And that's how I'm going to kill you. But not today, mommy, tomorrow. And the, the sinking feeling that I had in my stomach at that moment. And as I look at him and try to maintain my composure, try to keep, keep the neutral face that I'm told that I'm supposed to have. And yet inside, like I'm, I could not be more discouraged. I could not be more broken. I could not be more feeling like I am, I am a, I am a failure. Like, what am I doing wrong? Maybe my family was, was right when they told me that I was crazy adopting this kid as a single mom in medical school. What, what was I thinking? And, and I had some important lessons to learn there in that, in that moment. Right. And one of those lessons that I've, that I've learned is that time does not heal. Mm. And I can look at my own life for that because what I started to see through my son is that I have patterns of pushing people away. Mm. I have patterns of numbing my emotions when they get too uncomfortable. I have patterns of Ah, relationships or life or staying small or not speaking up when I really should be speaking up for myself and look at how those have not changed over time. <laughs> <laughs> Hence the word patterns. <laughs> I am still doing the same, the same thing. It may show up differently in different situations, right. but it's still the same thing. Time has not changed those patterns. We just get better at making excuses for those patterns. Right. So time does not heal. The other lesson that I had to learn was that love does not heal. Mm. My love love could not heal him. Right. And, and for him, love was what was scary for him. Love was what had betrayed him. His, his own mom had betrayed him by all of the things that she had done, starting with in utero drug use. And then, you know, the, the, the number of instances where Exactly. Where he got hurt and she never took him to the hospital and then finally got into the system and right. Like there were multiple instances. So love was actually what was scary to him. So how can love heal you? 
if that's what's scary to you. So that was a big eye-opener because those were literally the two things that I had held as truths from my medical school training. And so what I learned was that there's this thing called biology of trauma. (laughs) And it's not just a matter of telling my son, I love you and you should love yourself. That wasn't even landing. Right. It was, there are changes to his biology. His biology is actually continuing to play out these patterns that I need to figure out how to change the biology to then get different results. So those were the three lessons that I got to learn, Julie. Well, and I, you see me wiping my eyes. I didn't bring a tissue because I'm like, I know her story. I'm good. I'm prepared. And it just, yeah, I'm a mother. I just can't even imagine. However, like we all get to do when we look over our shoulder, you know, what a gift for all those thousands and thousands of people Hmm. that you are the Hmm. one who had the opportunity to learn that lesson. And those are two things we all hear our whole lives. Time heals all wounds and love heals. And so I love the, I, I, there's so many ways I want to go, but I want to dig right into this idea of the biology of trauma. And, you know, we, we hear trauma and we think psychology again, training, right? These are the things, these are the patterns. This is what we tell ourselves. Go talk Um, to a therapist about that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So let's really like dig down and unpack that, you know, how, how is it different? Why are we not saying, oh, it's just psycho? Well, you know, poor thing. He had a, he had a really traumatic early childhood, you know, mm-hmm. he needs counseling for the next 50 mm-hmm. years and then he'll be fine. Uh, how is it different? The biology mm-hmm. of trauma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I like, I think that what, where I'll take your audience with this is uh, going back to the adverse childhood experience studies. So these were studies that were done, founded by Dr. Vincent Paletti, Dr. Robert Anda, and they were working through it with a population of primarily women who were overweight. And they were coming from the angle of preventive medicine. I'm board certified in preventive medicine. And so the principles of preventive medicine are that we can look at all of these downstream effects like cardiovascular disease, heart attacks, strokes, diabetes, and we can see the impact that it has not only on one person's life, but then on society. And we can see, we can ask the question, okay, how do I prevent, how do I prevent those diseases? What a concept. What a concept. (laughs) Now, so what they discovered, what, what they, what they, and honestly, what we are still taught, what I was still taught is that, you know, a driving force, a driving factor in those conditions is obesity. And so if you fix obesity, you'll fix all of those downstream effects. Oh my goodness. Right. Like time heals everything. Love heals everything. Just do that. And everything else will be fine. Right. So what happened is that they're in this weight loss clinic. They have found a way to help these people lose a hundred pounds to 300 pounds in a year. It's incredible. 
And they're having so much success with this program because of how much weight and how fast people are losing the weight. And in what they think is a safe way, at least metabolically, physiologically. Which was my first thought. Like, is that safe? That's really (laughs) right. That's exactly my thought too. (laughs) Dr. Filetti had gone into detail about what exactly they gave these people for food that mimicked fasting and yet gave them all so that it was very safe. Okay. That's fine. Whatever. Let's talk about, let's talk about what happened now. Cause what happened really highlights this biology of trauma idea. And that is they got frustrated because their numbers started to get messed up. And you you work with any doctor who's doing a study, that is the fastest way to get them upset and frustrated is to mess with their numbers because they, they need their numbers to look good. Look at how well we're doing with this program and it's gonna prevent all of these diseases. We're gonna solve the world's problems. So when they looked at what was going wrong with their numbers, they found that the most, most successful people, the people who were losing the, the most weight we're the ones dropping out of the program. And so they called them in and they said, Hey, I see you've gained the weight back. What happened? Right? Like what happened? And the patients started telling them, look, what you see as the problem of me being overweight is actually the solution to my problem. Wait a second. What do you mean? It's the solution to your problem. I stay overweight in order to avoid attention. I eat in order to not feel lonely. I, and then you start to fill in the blanks, right? Because we each have those for them. It was eating for me. It's been biking. It's been working. It's been, it's been eating at times in my life. Right. And I have done these things in order to not feel fill in the blank. Sure. And then what they found was that, wait a second, as we go back into their life experiences, we are seeing patterns Mm -hmm. of life experiences for them. And it started to be sexual abuse at first, but then it wasn't just sexual abuse. Sometimes it was parents divorcing. Sometimes it was parents having had problems or maybe even been to jail or having a mental health diagnosis or something that showed that there was instability, insecurity during early childhood. And so out of that, they created this adverse childhood experiences study where they highlighted some of the more common events that then seem to be associated with these types of health conditions later in life. And Julie, they have literally by now associated every single chronic disease with a certain ACE score, right? And even smoking, they've seen that if you have an ACE score above four, like every point above that, I forget the exact number. So don't quote me on this, but it's like, you are four times more likely to be a smoker, the higher your ACE score above a certain number patterns that are just like, wait a second, like there's actually a predictable pattern to that. Yes. And the reason is, is because we go back to the nervous system and it's dysregulation. And so for those people who may not be familiar with that term, we have, we have a nervous system that actually keeps us alive and runs our life for us. We run it subconsciously because it just, it runs our body. So thankfully we don't have to think about it. Can you imagine if we actually had to think about keeping (laughs) our heart beating uh, while we're sitting here having a conversation, Julie, it would be just way too much. I'd have to stop talking to you and tell my heart to, to keep beating. So thankfully, like it runs by itself. 
So we call that subconscious or unconscious, whichever word you want to use. And the nervous system then runs our body. It runs our life. It runs our, our, our physiology, our biology in order to keep us alive. And so what happens is that when we start to feel unsafe in life, it goes into a state of dysregulation where that's literally the problem is that we don't feel safe. Our body does not feel safe. We don't feel safe. And we experience that as, oh, I'm stressed or I'm anxious, or some people don't even realize it because honestly, Julie, like this has always been their life. Right. You ask them like, are you stressed? No, I'm not stressed at all. Right? What are you talking about? <laughs> and then they tell me about their lives and I'm like, okay, now I'm stressed. <laughs> I'm stressed for you. Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. So we, you know, we've, we've come to just live with this so long that we don't see it as anything other than this is just me. This is my it personality. Is. This is the way that I've always been. And we don't realize, well, actually, that's not who you really are. That was a result of your nervous system adapting to life experiences. And now it has stayed in that adaptation because it thinks that you're still in danger. It thinks that it's still needing to keep you safe and keep you alive. And so we can see that these all these adult diseases are not because of events, have nothing to do with the events because there's many people who have those diseases, Julie, you know, this, especially with the work that you do that don't have those specific events, but they have other things. They have other things that happened in early life that created this baseline sense of, I don't know if I'm okay. I don't know if I'm safe. I don't like to be in my body. It's not a safe place to be. It's not a comfortable place to be. I like to be in my head. I like to think a lot. I like to talk a lot. I like to read a lot, whatever it is. And, but that baseline nervous system dysregulation that we try to avoid and we use all these coping mechanisms to not feel, that's what creates this disease decades later, decades Yes. Right. Like we're talking even the autoimmune stuff, right? Like oh, you are especially, good that, especially <laughs> the autoimmune stuff, right? Like yeah. decades later and it's not, oh my goodness, what, it, what happened in the last year that you're developing this autoimmune? No, it's what happened 20 decades ago. And it's stuff that you're not going to remember because this was mostly pre-verbal and this is where like, it just, ah, like I, I want to shout this on the rooftops <sighs> because there's so much that happens in early childhood that becomes a trauma that is just normal practices for parenting and our normal social life that we don't realize that it is traumatizing to a baby's nervous system. And so we think we're doing a great job as parents. And yet what we're seeing is, no, my child does have anxiety. My child does have whatever, whatever it is. And we're not seeing that underneath all of that is this biology of trauma that has started and will result in autoimmunity in their twenties, in their thirties, in their forties, it may result in, you know, pre-diabetes or metabolic syndrome or these things later on. And again, it's not events. And that's where, you know, like I, ah, like I really want to stress that because people still seem to want to talk about events that happened in their life. And was it a big T trauma? Was it a little T trauma? (laughs) It doesn't matter. It's not the event. It's your body's experience of that event. And if that event for you at that time was overwhelming for any reason, it does not matter. That was a trauma for you. And most traumas we don't even recognize in the moment are traumas. It's not until 
years later, sometimes when we're seeing these patterns in our nervous system of, Ooh, like, yeah, that's not a comfortable place for me to go to. There's a trauma pattern that there was overwhelm that has happened in our life. So I've thrown a lot at you. I think I'm going to take a deep breath. (laughs) (laughs) Tell your heart to beat, breathe. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Go back to my nervous system. Tell it to have my kidneys work and my liver work and all of those. There's, oh, there's so much in there. You, you hit, I love, you're so amazing. Pretty much as you were talking, every little thought that, mm. that popped up of like, oh, people talk about it like this, or people, you know, you you hit it all, right? Big T, little T, real, perceived, doesn't matter. And and this idea of so I'm gonna help you shout it from the rooftops, you know, it's not an it's not an event. It, it's well, so mm-hmm. big question, the big mm-hmm. follow-up, and I, you know. I know we wouldn't be talking about this if this were the end of this conversation. And it was like, oh, so sad. This all started in early childhood and we're done. So you're screwed for the rest of your life. Too bad. But I just wanted you to know why. Exactly. Yeah. Now now we really do need that big bowl of ice cream and chocolate and brownies. (laughs) Seriously. Seriously. But and and just to, to reiterate what you said, I mean, literally. Every person that walks through my door physically or virtually, I mean, I honestly, I believe every person to some degree that's on this planet has this patterning yes. that, that yes. needs to be reworked, but absolutely whether it's my autoimmune clients or like you said, my metabolic clients, my cancer patients might, people at the clinic that are not, don't have an autoimmune diagnosis, any, anybody with chronic illness, yes, we can unwind and, you know, what, and we were Mm -hmm. talking about before we started, whether you think so or not, whether you're aware of it or not. And, Mm -hmm. and so. Well, Julie, even just the fact that a person has chronic disease or chronic symptoms that they haven't been able to control or manage, that in itself is overwhelming at times. And when we see, when we use the definition of overwhelm for trauma, we we literally can interchange the two because that's what trauma is. Trauma is the body's experience of overwhelm in a situation. Right. So take somebody who with pick any autoimmune disease, you know, any, and take somebody any. with, <laughs> with the fatigue that goes with that. Yes. That's overwhelm. I mean, that's, that's overwhelm. You know, yeah. How, what do I have to do to accommodate and manage? You know, when mm-hmm. I was laying in bed while my kids are at school, because I had to, you know, <laughs> portion out my energy, mm-hmm. you know, that's overwhelm. That's um, overwhelm. Yeah, mm-hmm. for yeah. sure. So and it's interesting, Julie, I want to just, I want to just uh, yeah. emphasize yes. what you're saying so that people really understand this, that there are some conditions and diagnoses that are very much in the box and under that umbrella of clearly like a trauma response, which I call the freeze response. And, and it's what we've been talking about autoimmunity. Autoimmunity is the freeze response, is a chronic freeze response. Chronic pain is a freeze response. Chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, all of those are diseases, conditions, symptoms that are classified as freeze and trauma response. And 
And the nervous system is more in that freeze response than actually it is even in the stress response. So I talk about like it almost being a spectrum where you can be stressed for a long time, right? Say you're a castle guard and you're out there and you're, you're on guard, you're on guard, but how long can you stay on guard? If they don't feed you, if you're not allowed to sleep, you don't get any rest, no one changes you out. Like you can only stay in chronic stress for so long and then you just crumble you collapse. Like you literally can't stand up anymore. That collapse is the freeze response. And that is where autoimmunity, chronic pain, chronic fatigue, fibromyalgia, all of those conditions lie under that category. I I love that. And again, you preempted me. I wanted to, I, I did, I want to talk a little bit more about freeze response that I love that I will always think of the castle guard now forever. But when people hear stress and when we talk about chronic stress, most commonly we hear, you know, fight or flight, right? Yep. Or fight, flight, freeze. And so, and that's what you're talking about is, Mm -hmm. you know, these are these responses. Mm -hmm. And again, I always say we're, we are made beautifully for acute stress. Our body is designed so perfectly to run from a tiger, like really, but living on this planet with all the little chronic stressors or big, or, you know, or that, or just constant, right? Like the constant low grade fear. Yeah. Yeah. How long, how long can you hold up that boulder of fear before you crumble? Yeah. Or you have four different little things. Right. Yeah. So that that's another thing where we've just been taught wrong, right? Like we've been taught wrong that time heals because it doesn't, it just further ingrains it into our coping mechanisms. Love does not heal. And then the other one is that fight, flight, or freeze are all the same thing. And they're not. And I think that when people have not understood this freeze response and have lumped it all into stress as fight, flight, and freeze is all stress. We've really done ourselves a disservice because all of these conditions and symptoms that are part of the freeze response, we're using the wrong tools because we're trying to use the tools for stress and they're not going to work. This is the freeze response. It's completely different physiologically than the stress response. Well, so you just so beautifully led me to (laughs) what are those tools? What should we be doing? What can we be doing? Because we're not going to sit down and eat a bowl of ice cream and pretend it's not going on. (laughs) (laughs) Well, what about, can I sit in front of a movie and just binge watch movies then, Julie? A a movie. You can watch a movie. (laughs) Can I get on my phone and just do social media and put myself into shame because of how everybody else looks perfect and they're, you know, whatever with their family. And can I, can I do that? You can just keep digging. (laughs) (laughs) Right. (laughs) The things that we do to ourselves, right? Like I don't even need anybody else to shame me and criticize me. Oh gosh. I've got that on my own. Thank you though. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Nobody can do it better than I can. (laughs) Right. (laughs) All right. So the freeze response is the freeze response needs time and it needs energy. You can think of the freeze response as literally like a shock to the system. And perhaps a person in your audience has had a moment like that where what came at them was so much, so fast that they literally felt like they had a shock. Some people describe it as a kick to the gut. Right. And boy, boy, Julie, would that be a talk that we could have the gut and the vagus nerve and intuition and how that's all trauma stuff. 
So there's there's different ways that we can experience the freeze response, but it, it is that it's that shock. Like it is like this overwhelming boulder that comes down and crushes us. We want to just curl up into a ball. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some people go to bed early. Some people don't want to get out of bed, right? Like that's the freeze response. The overwhelm is the freeze response. When we have to caffeinate in order to get going, that's the freeze response. Because in the freeze response, it's this exhaustion. It's this low energy strategy in order to conserve energy. I mean, that's how our nervous system is trying to help us survive. It's like, oof, I've got to conserve energy for you. And so that's the strategy, but it feels very heavy. So people's body will feel heavy, heavy, heavy. And the freeze response needs time and energy in order to come out of the freeze response. The body will go from the freeze response back to what put it into the freeze response. I would love to be able to tell people that, oh, you just come out of the freeze response and you go out and it's just roses and angels and, and, you know, rainbows and clouds and sunshine through those clouds and all of that. Right. Like, but no, then the freeze response, what put it into the freeze response, it's going to come right back into that fear, that anxiety, the, the terror that put it into the freeze that was overwhelming in that moment. So then we talk about, okay, well then what does that need? Because most people, Julie will come out of the freeze response. They haven't done anything to actually manage what put them there. And so they're facing that big fear again. And their body is like, oh, hell no. And it goes right back into the freeze response. Yeah. So that people are literally going back and forth between stressed and overwhelmed, anxious and depressed, running wired, and then exhausted and tired all in the same day. I mean, and then think about the dysregulation of your nervous system And think about the health consequences of that type of back and forth all day where the body is literally being told, okay, go, 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 go. We've got a tiger chasing us and no, pretend that you're dead so that the tiger won't notice us. (laughs) I'm exhausted. You, I, I, (laughs) these last like two minutes have just worn me out. (laughs) I am exhausted just feeling that, you know, you know, I'm familiar. We all are. And there can't be anybody listening. That's not familiar in some way, shape or form with that pattern. And that's why I think like this could literally change people's lives because it's something that we all experience and yet we have not understood. Correct. And if we understood it, we would know what tools to use to help ourselves. So I have a whole sheet, a whole guide for people on how to support your system when you're in the freeze response, because knowing that your body has shut down, there's certain things that you can bring in to support your biology to then help it come out of that freeze response. Those are going to be different than the stress. And this is where, you know, it still gets me all fired up and angry (laughs) when people go into their doctor and their doctor's like, I think your symptoms are anxiety related. And I want you to do stress management. I'm sorry. What is stress management? What does that mean? You know, like, does that mean go meditate? Does that mean go do yoga? Because I guarantee you that people who are, um, further along in the spectrum, they meditation will actually make their symptoms worse if they can even do it. Because again, like their body is not a comfortable place for them to be. 
they don't want to drop into their body and for good reason, right? Not and safe. So <laughs> it's not safe. And asking them yeah. to do something that is not safe, I am just further promoting the freeze response in, in their body. So we're literally having great intentions and yet telling people to do things that are furthering, deepening them in their trauma self. Oof, ouch, right? Like, and I did that, right? Before I knew better, that's how I was trained as a physician is, you know, like, oh, definitely recognize when your patients have an emotional component to their disease and then refer them to therapy and stress management. Right. And that was considered the best of the best of trauma-informed medical care. Oof, ouch. And now that I know what I know, I'm realizing, no, like those things actually can trigger more trauma. And this is where... This is where I would love for people to understand this because if they already have chronic symptoms, Julie, and they are experiencing a flare up of those symptoms when they go do a certain therapy, mm. that is the wrong, the wrong, it might be the right therapy, but at the wrong time, they might be doing too much too fast, or they might be trying to do something that would be good for the stress response, but not for the freeze response and to listen to their body. Don't think like, Oh, I, you know, something else must be going on. No, your, your nervous system is dysregulated and what you just did further dysregulated it. It wasn't ready for that. That was too much for it. We, we do need to do work and we need to do it in a very gentle and safe and effective way. So that's why I designed a 21 day journey so that people could follow an essential sequence of exercises in order to not have a flare up of their symptoms as they are starting to do this work. The whole first week is just on teaching them exercises, very short, very simple exercises that will help them actually feel safe in their body. Oh. I'm not talking about their psychology and them doing a, a mantra or an affirmation about, I feel safe in my body. I feel safe in my body. I do feel safe in my body, right? Because they don't. We and we don't. We right. don't even know what it feels like to feel safe in our body. So it all is about the body's experience, not what the mind is is necessarily telling us, because that's not where trauma is. Trauma is stored in the body. And the body, in order for it to move out of this freeze response, it has to feel safe. And we need tools to do that. So that's the whole first week of the 21-day journey. The second week is bringing in support. Why support? Because when we come out of that freeze response and we're now in some of the anxiety, the, the stress response needs support and it needs a strategy. That's what the, the, that's what the stress response needs. It needs to know that someone has my back. I'm not alone. I've got someone that I can call. I've got someone who's holding my hand through this. I've got support because without support, we feel like it's too big and we go into the yeah. freeze response. Yeah. We also need more strategy. overwhelm, <laughs> right? There's the yeah. overwhelm and it's yeah. the cycle of overwhelm. Exactly. The stress response also needs strategy. And this is where I think many people have not understood this aspect of the stress response. The stress response is a high energy state intended, like you said before, intended to run from a tiger. And so if we stop running from the tiger, we actually go into overwhelm in the freeze response. Sure. Because now the tiger's going to eat us. Because now the tiger's <laughs> going to eat us. And yet how many times do we just kind of procrastinate and we're like, 
well, since I don't know how to do this perfectly, I'm not going to do anything at all. And then we've, we've just put ourselves into the freeze response. Yep. And so the stress response needs action. It needs movement and it needs a strategy. And so taking an action, even if it's the smallest step, I don't care. Right. And that's what I tell my people all the time. Just take the next best step. You don't need to have the whole path figured out, but I do need you just to take the next best step with me so that you don't go into that freeze response and we can stay managing and supporting your, your body through the stress response so that then we can finally reverse engineer it. And it lands in the parasympathetic. Ah, what a lovely place to land, right? That's notice both of us just like took a really deep spontaneous <laughs> breath with us. Like, oh, I'm so finally. glad you finally got us there. <laughs> and that's what happens, right? Like we have these spontaneous deep breaths with the parasympathetic response. Yes. We do feel safe. We do feel that, you know, like right here, right now, everything is okay. Yeah. I am okay. And what a shift that is from the stress response or the overwhelm and that trauma response. Mm-hmm. It's amazing. And that's where the healing is yeah. period. The, it's, that is where the healing is. I, I want, I, I want to talk about everything you just said, but I want to highlight two sentences out of all of that, that I want to make sure that listeners caught. And one is what was it? Wow. Go Julie. Oh, happens, listen to happens your, all the time. Listen to your body. Listen <laughs> to body. your body. Mm-hmm. And I, I know this is part of the process because I know when you're when you're stuck, you, you can't hear you. I mean, that's that's all part of the, you know, you're not in your body, it's a defense mechanism. But like you said, when you're when you do it's the same as if you're picking up a physical exercise routine. If you go out and you exercise and it flares you. No, don't do it. Stop. Back it up. You're actually creating more damage. Yes. 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 It's not a good thing. So it's the same thing. Anything yes. that you do, that's your body communicating to you. Exactly. Listen to it. And let me just encourage people that with the work that I guide them through with addressing the biology of trauma, they can increase their window of tolerance so that they are yes. able to do more. And it's a not experience that flare-ups. But it's a process. Exactly. So what you start with, if your narrow window of tolerance gets bigger, as long as we're doing it in the right way, following the right steps in the sequence of things. Yeah. And I love that you said, you know, just take the next best step yes. and it, and it can be tiny. I always say it should be tiny. You know, we don't, it doesn't need to be scarier. We don't need to be adding more to this. And then the other thing that you said that I just have to highlight is that trauma is stored in the body. And we know this and there's so much science behind it. And, you know, it's not woo woo. It may sound woo woo either. And it's been studied for so long. That's the, that's the amazing part is what seems to me later in my life, maybe not this year, but as aha, like, oh my gosh, trauma stored in the body. It's like, oh gosh, they've known that for so long. Best kept secret. It's not in your head. It's in your body. (laughs) 
So I just, I wanted to, to circle back because I, I think that, that those two things, you know, learning to listen to your body. I always say, even if you take it just as the physical symptoms, you look at somebody in my audience with autoimmunity, if we don't, if, if we don't listen, it will get louder. It, it just does. And so that goes with healing modalities. Listen to what your body's telling you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well. Yeah. You can either wait until something, you know, happens like what Julie and my story is with our health, where we experience the crash, or you could start <laughs> listening to your body earlier. Yes. And <laughs> yes. know that you're headed towards that and get off a different path. But if, if you want to learn the hard way, like Julie and me, you know, so hey, for some people we can that show you that, that route. <laughs> we, we know that path as well. <laughs> Just saying that there's a different path. That's all. There's a, it's a, I'm going to, I'm going to one up you. It's a better path. It's a oh, better I promise. Path. <laughs> it's a much better path. And yes, I, I always get, I get, you know, people say, well, you know, who's your favorite kind of client to work with? And I'm like, yeah, I'm like you, everyone, <laughs> because I love when people who were on that same path, we were on, you know, for years and years and years and years, yeah. turn it all around. That's so satisfying. But then those people who are so brilliant and they're like, nope, I'm not going down that path. That's so satisfying also. It is because so, we yeah. can prevent so much pain and, and challenges and hardship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But if you need to hit rock bottom, Hey, you've got Julie and me as examples for you. There you go. (laughs) There you go. Well, and the good news is if you have already hit rock bottom and you're listening to this, it's not too late. There's no, not at all. So Mm -hmm. that's the beauty of it. There is. I have so much more I want to ask you. So I'm going to ask you if you will come back and we can do a part two. Would love that, Julie. Would love that. That would be amazing because we are just about out of time. And I'm so excited to hear how you're going to answer my final question, which is because I I find I'm always surprised. What is one step that listeners can take today to start to improve their health? The one step that I would invite your audience to take is actually to start holding their heart. So you can try different ways. You can put both hands over your heart. I even would want you to experiment around with, do you like your right hand under, or do you like your left hand and your right hand over? I want you to find what feels better for you. There's no right way to do it. So just what feels better. And then what I do is that I will even take one hand sometimes and put it behind my back. And so then my heart has the front and the back support. And that's just delicious. Like talk about yumminess. It's just like my heart feels held. It feels protected. And for me, that's such a simple, quick, easy way for me to just, again, no matter what's going on, it's just like, I've got you. I've got Mm -hmm. you, right? Like I don't even need to talk to it because sometimes when I was first starting, it was too much to talk to my I heart. Just was going to go there and, no, and say, this <laughs> sounds so simple, 
Mm-hmm. And you can and I can, you know, do this and tap in and it's yummy. You said you said it, it's yummy. And I see it all the time. This is one of those, you got to baby step it, people. You'd be amazed it. Yep. because mm-hmm. it puts you in touch with those things that you mm-hmm. run away from, yep. but all the really good things too that are hiding. So mm-hmm. I love that. See, I had no idea you were going to go there. That was awesome. Yay. Yeah. Hold, hold your heart. Hold your heart. Hold your heart. Mm-hmm. I'm going to play experiment, around. Experiment around with how to hold your heart. Yeah. Don't just hold your heart. Like experiment. Yeah. 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 Take the and time. I'll invite, I'll, I'll invite you to, you know, really make drop into your heart when you're holding it and feel mm-hmm. what that feels like. Mm-hmm. I love that. So before we wrap up, we're going to have all kinds of links in the show notes so people can find you. But for those that listen on the go, where's the best place for them to find you? Oh, yeah. So they can come find us over at TraumaHealingAccelerated.com. We've got a Biology of Trauma Summit that we do. We've got the 21-Day Journey, of course. So we've got lots of things for people to learn more and jump in if they're ready to actually put this into practice. And that would be the place to find us, Trauma Healing Accelerated. Love it. Dr. Amy, thank you so much. What you have shared today is just is invaluable. And like I said, I'm, we're not done. We need more. We want you to come back. Uh, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Julie. Thank you for what you're doing. For everyone listening, remember, you can get the show notes and transcripts by visiting inspiredliving.show. I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I will see you next week. Thank you for listening to Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to get a transcript of this and every other episode, just head on over to inspiredliving.show or click on the link in this episode's description. There, you can also find everything we discussed in this episode, including links and information about our guests. You can even send in your questions to be answered by Julie in a future episode. That's inspiredliving.show. Until next time, this is Julie Michelson's Inspired Living with Autoimmunity podcast, helping you take your power back.